Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you, Josh, for leading us out and Amy and leading us out in worship this morning. Well, if you have your Bibles with you today, and I'm sure that you do, I want you to take them out. And I want you to go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, as we are uh, completing our series titled Christmas Playlist, the Songs of Christmas. And uh, yes, this is the day after Christmas, but uh, this passage that we're going to look at um, this morning I think is appropriate for the day after Christmas. But uh, in this series, we have been looking at the four songs uh, of Christmas found in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. And we have looked at, at uh, a couple of songs, three songs so far. We have looked at Zechariah's song, um, which is known as the Benedictus. Uh, we've looked at Mary's song, which is known as the Magnificat. Um, last week, uh, our student pastor, Ethan Floyd, uh, preached on Luke chapter 2 um, regarding the angels and the shepherds, and the Latin phrase for that song is Gloria and Excelsis. And today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 21 uh, through 35, and we are going to look at a song titled, Nuts Dimitis. Aren't you excited about that? You're saying, Pastor, what in the world does that mean? I have no idea, but I'll tell you. No, Nuts Dimitis, it simply means this. It means, I am dismissed, and it comes from uh, the beginning of Simeon's song. That's the title of today's message, Simeon's Song, uh, where at the beginning of Simeon's song in verse number 29, in Latin, he says, Nuts Dimitis, and it literally means, I am dismissed. And uh, when I hear that word dismissed, I think of uh, when I was in school, whether in high school or in college, um, my favorite words to hear from the teacher was this, class is, that was great news, wasn't it? Well, this is kind of what we hear right here from Simeon, that class has been dismissed and he shares some good news with us um, today, share some good news with us really regarding the song that we just sung, that Jesus is our living hope. Uh, he's dismissed, and he tells us, I'm dismissed in peace because I know that hope has come. And what a great message for the day after Christmas. Amen. Well, won't you look with me in your copy of God's Word? Um, we're, going, we're going to read verses 21 through 35, and we will end up focusing on verses 25 and following. But I want to share the background with you regarding uh, this great song of Simeon. Uh, the first couple of verses, 21 through 24, we're going to see the background of Jesus, what his family was like, and what they did after his birth. Follow along with me in your copy of God's Word, beginning in verse number 21, and it reads, And when eight days had passed before his, that's Jesus' circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, just one little insight here. Whenever God gives a name to somebody in Scripture, it's important. Only a handful of times in the Old Testament and the New Testament does God give a name to an individual. He changes Abram's name to what? Abraham. He changes, and Jesus in the New Testament changes uh, Peter's name from Cephas to Peter. 
We see a handful of occasions when God gives a name to somebody. Whenever he gives a name to a person, he also gives them a message. So whenever we read this, and we need to say, okay, hold on a second. God has given Jesus his name even before he's conceived. So that means that there is something special about this boy named Jesus and that he's going to give us a message. Verse number 22, and when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they, being Mary and Joseph, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, here's our main text uh, that we're going to focus on this morning, verse number 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. He was looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then Simeon took Jesus into his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, Nuts Dimitis, here's Simeon's song. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bond servant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel. Meaning this, Mary, your son Jesus, many people are going to fall in love with him, but know this, many people are going to hate him. He has come to divide, is really what he's saying. Verse number 35, and a sword will pierce even your soul. Meaning this, you are going to see your son die. Moms, would that not pierce your soul? Absolutely would pierce your soul. And to the end, that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Won't you pray with me, please? Father, I pray this morning that as we have read your word and as as we study your word and as we have worshiped here on this day after Christmas, Father, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts, you would penetrate our minds. And Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Oh God, examine us. Holy Spirit, search us. And Father, I pray today, this morning, that you would conform us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. Well, in this series, um, I have uh, looked at several Christmas carols or songs that are related to Christmas, and today is, is no exception other than the fact that the song that I want to share with you actually has nothing to do with Christmas, but it's just a great song that I think many of you I bet some of you can probably quote it, but I'll ask you this question first. Who wrote and performed the song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction? Some of you are too embarrassed to say it. I'm in church. I can't say it, right? I heard it over here. What was it? 
the Rolling Stones, right? The Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger. And when this song was written well over 30 years ago, uh, this song still serves as really a, a complaint, right? A complaint about what the world offers. Now, now listen to these great lyrics. I mean, you are going to be amazed at the creative writing in these lyrics. One of the more popular songs in, in rock and roll history. Here you go. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try. I can't get no. I can't get no. Isn't that good? It gets better. Verse 1, when I'm driving in my car, when a man come on the radio, he's telling me more and more about some useless information. It's supposed to fire my imagination. I can't get no. Oh, no. No, no. No, no. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, that's just great stuff. I mean, that's great, isn't it? I mean, this is really, really, really good. I mean, this is wonderful. Um, it, it, it's, it's actually kind of a fun, a fun song, but uh, Mick Jagger was asked this question. Um, Okay, what, what does this song really mean? What does this mean? And this is, this is what Mick Jagger, whom you might want to write this in your Bible, Mick Jagger, the great theologian, theologian, theologian. this is what you can say. He says, I can't get no satisfaction is a response to growing consumerism. And he says this, consumerism does not bring about satisfaction. All from the big lips of Mick Jagger, amen? <laughs> amen? I mean, what a great theologian. I mean, he is spot on, right? Consumerism never will grant you satisfaction. Amen? It'll never bring you satisfaction. You and I, we know this. We've seen it. Maybe you have experienced it. You know somebody. You, you know this because we see this, that a great majority of people are unhappy, are unfulfilled, and they're not satisfied. Isn't that right? And when they're unhappy, they're unfulfilled, they're unsatisfied, they so often go to the world to find satisfaction. Isn't that right? I mean, many people, yesterday morning, after they were unwrapping their presents, because you can immediately tell if somebody likes their present or not. Isn't that right? And so for some people, some of the greatest words on Christmas morning are these. I still have the gift receipt. You can exchange it if you want. I mean, some people, because they're just not what? Satisfied. It's not, they're just not satisfied. And, and here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. I've seen it in my life. Uh, there's been periods in my life where I've experienced this. I'm sure there's been this in your case as well. But, but I know this. Far too often, we as believers in Christ Jesus, we still believe that the world offers us satisfaction. And too many times, we who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we turn to the world to find fulfillment. We turn to the world to find satisfaction. We turn to the world to fill our every need. And we fall victim of that. And too many times, we believe that satisfaction and enjoyment can be, can be sprayed on, rolled on, driven, or eaten. Amen? We just think, you know what, I can, I can find satisfaction and something that was created. 
But every time we eat of the world, what do we find? I can't get no satisfaction. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah said over 2,000 years ago. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. He says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Do you get that picture? The prophet Jeremiah, thousands of years ago, says this about the people of God, that they have refused to drink of the water of God himself, of Jesus himself. And instead, Jeremiah paints this picture. He says, instead, they dig their own wells, and the wells are full of muddy water, and they continue to drink of the muddy water, and they cannot find their satisfaction. Does that not paint a picture of so many people in the world today? Where you dig your own well. You dig your own well to drink of your own water, and it is nothing but dirty water, and it never satisfies. Jesus, he continues this theme that Jeremiah began in Jeremiah chapter 2. Jesus continues this theme in John chapter 4 when he meets with the Samaritan woman. You remember this, or the woman at the well. He He sits down next to the woman at the well, and they're having this conversation. They're talking about water, and and Jesus says to her, he says, everyone who drinks of this water. Now, this lady thinks that, she's, that Jesus is talking about the water in the well, right? And he says, everyone who drinks of this water, but Jesus, Jesus has something totally different in mind. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, pointing into the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never thirst again. Meaning if you drink of the water from Jesus, you will find satisfaction. You will find fulfillment. You will find enjoyment if and when you drink of the water that Jesus offers. Jesus continued to tell that woman at the well, the water that I will give them will be coming them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so after Christmas, we have spent so many days and so many weeks preparing for Christmas and, and um, we try to buy gifts for people that will bring them satisfaction. It's good and well that we give people gifts. It shows that we love them and appreciate them. But too many times we put too much value on the gift to bring satisfaction in life. And we all know it, right? Because after Christmas ends, we begin the Christmas countdown for next year. Isn't that right? Only 364 more days, 64 more days to go. Hang in there. It's coming again. But it never ends. But when we read of this story of Simeon, we find a man who did not find contentment or satisfaction in the ways of the world. Rather, we see a man who shows us the example or gives us an example on how to live a life filled with hope and how to live a life filled with satisfaction. Because we have to remember in this story, in this text, when Jesus was born, Israel is under control of the Romans. They are, the Romans are despised by the Jewish people. There is persecution, there is oppression. And the Jewish people want nothing but to be free from the Roman uh, oppression. They want to be free, they want to be delivered. And so they're looking for a national leader. As a matter of fact, the Jewish people, they're looking for a political leader to lead them out of the oppression. That does not sound like anything today, does it? 
Well, we're looking for somebody. We're looking for a political leader to rescue us and to bring us salvation, if you will. But here is a man named Simeon who is not looking for a political leader. But he is looking for somebody to come and to set the people free. Well, what do we know about this man named Simeon? Look with me in verse number 25. Here's what we know about Simeon. We know that Simeon is an elderly man. We can gather that from our text. We don't know uh, how old he is, but we can gather it from our text. Just listen to this. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Simeon's name simply means God has heard. Isn't that good? His name means God has heard. So it implies that Simeon, it implies that Simeon has spent his entire life as a prayer warrior. God has heard. God has heard. So it implies that this man, Simeon, has devoted his life to going to the temple, and it implies that he has continually prayed to the Heavenly Father. Look on, it goes on to say, this man whose name was Simeon says, and this man was righteous and devout, meaning he was a good man. He did the right thing even when nobody was looking. He was a good, godly, righteous man. He treated people well. He treated people correctly. He worshiped the heavenly Father. So he's a prayer warrior. He is righteous. He is devout. Look at the next line which says, he is looking for the consolation of Israel. That word consolation means this. It means encouragement or it means hope. So this man, Simeon, he is looking for encouragement. He is looking for hope. An interesting thing about that Greek word for consolation, um, it is used in Acts chapter 4 to describe one of Paul's missionary uh, partners. His name was Barnabas. Barnabas is known as the son of consolation, the son of encouragement. And so Simeon, he is looking for something encouraging because Israel in those days, they needed some encouraging words. They needed encouragement. And so Simeon is looking. He's a prayer warrior. He's righteous. He's devout. He is looking for the Messiah to come. That's what looking for the consolation means. Verse, at the end of verse number 25, it says this, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So I want you to get this picture. Get this picture of Simeon. He's a prayer warrior, a mighty man of God, a mighty prayer warrior. He's righteous. He's devout. He's waiting for the Messiah to come. The Holy Spirit is upon him. And in the next verse, it tells us this. He was led by the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty good picture of a godly man right there, isn't it? I mean, this morning as I was was praying uh, just over this text again and again, saying, God, what... God, what, what, what's an application point here from this text? What, what can we really gather from this text specifically rated, related to this man named Simeon? And, and just a couple things just popped into my head. And it was this, it was this. If you are a single lady, you need to find somebody like Simeon. This is who you look for. This is what you look for in an individual. If you are a man, this is what you want to be like. This is a picture of a godly man who has devoted his entire life to looking until Christ comes. Parents, this is is what you want to pray your son becomes. Uh, This is what you pray for your daughter that her that our future husband, this is what you want your future son-in-law to become and to look like. This is the man. This is the man who is, who is given us an example of what looking to the future looks like as they wait for the return of Christ Jesus. I mean, here in our text, we know that, that Christ has come, but as a Jewish 
person in Jewish theology, even in the Old Testament, they have always looked for the coming Messiah. Even today, the great majority of Jewish people are looking for the Messiah to come. And they've missed it because the Messiah has what? He's already come. But Simeon shows us that when you look, you're going to find what you are looking for. Look at the phrase, verse number 25, look at the phrase, looking for. All right, I want you to look at that. Are y'all with me this morning? All right. Look at that phrase, looking for. In Greek, it's the word uh, pros dekomai, and it literally means to look forward with hope. So not only is this man a prayer warrior, righteous, devout, he is somebody that's looking to the future with hope. Well, that's powerful, to look to the future with hope. And he's looking to the future with hope because he's looking to the coming of the Messiah. Now, what can we, what can, how can we apply this to our lives today? I want to give you three things today, just based upon this man, Simeon, and his godly life, and how we can look forward in hope in the future because I, I don't know about you guys, but the future looks kind of depressing, does it not? It looks depressing. But here we find in Scripture that we can look forward to the future with hope. I want you to write down these three things. They're not going to be on the screen for you this, this morning, but I want you to write these three things down. Number one, looking forward with hope means that I excitedly wait for the coming of Christ. So as we move into the new year, we've ended Christmas, we're now a week away from the new year. How do we look forward to the new year? How do we look forward uh, to the future with hope? It begins by excitedly looking for the coming of Christ, that we excitedly look for the second coming of Christ Jesus. Simeon is looking for the consolation of Israel, which means he anticipates something. He eagerly awaits the coming of Christ. I want you to picture this with me. I want you to go on a little journey with me. Go with me, go with me on a journey to see Simeon. I want you to go into the temple with me. Go into the temple there in Jerusalem. You have these huge walls that look like gold when the sun shines on them. Simeon comes in. There's throngs of people walking around as they are making sacrifices, and, and there are people talking, and they are chattering. And, and I want you to picture this old man named Simeon. He walks into this to this throng of people, and there's activity going on all around him. And this picture, this, this man named Simeon, he, he's an older man, maybe he's 70, 80, 90 years old. Picture this, he's got a, a gray beard, maybe he stoops over, uh, maybe his hands are trembling. And just picture this, see Simeon just, just looking around at all the people, because it says he's looking. He's looking for the consolation of Israel. So he comes into this throng, and just picture him and looking and as he looks, just picture him kind of moving his lips, just kind of muttering to himself because he's praying. He's praying. Why? Because he's praying that he would see the Lord's Christ. And just picture this, that year after year, year after year, day after day, Simeon has prayed this. He's come to the temple. He's prayed, Lord, will I see the Lord's Christ today? Will I see the Lord's Christ today? Will I see him? And just picture him muttering, looking at all the men and asking, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Imagine him for year after year after year, day after day, he's prayed, is this the one? And the Holy Spirit has said, no. 
But day after day, year after year, Simeon is faithful. He continues to pray. He continues to believe that God is going to show him the Lord's Christ before he dies. And so Simeon, he's getting older. So he knows that his time on earth is getting shorter, which means it's getting closer to the Lord's Christ coming. So he's building with, with excitement. He's building with anticipation. And he walks in on that morning, 40 days after Jesus has been born, Jesus has been circumcised. Mary has gone through the purification uh, ritual according to the Old Testament law. And Mary and Joseph walk into the temple amidst the throng of people. And there's Simeon. Do you picture him? He's looking. He's looking. You ever people watched before? Simeon's the first people watcher. That's it. That's where we get it from right here. He's watching people. He's saying, is he the one? 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 Now, as I think about this, I'm going, okay, how would Simeon know? How would Simeon know that this baby boy, Jesus, is the Lord's Christ? How, how do we know? Do we know? Do we, know what he's, we don't even know what he's looking for. But I just imagine, as, as, as Simeon sees Mary and Joseph walk into the temple, he can see that Joseph is a, is a carpenter, he can see that they're poor by their, by their sacrificing of, of two pigeons. He sees that they're poor. He sees this young girl, a teenager with a baby boy. And I just see Simeon just looking at him. Nothing special about this couple. And for the umpteen thousand times, he prays, Lord, is this the one? He says, yes. He says, Yes. Can you imagine what goes on in Simeon's heart, in his mind at that moment? When, when day after day, year after year, God's answer has been no, 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 no. And finally, and finally, as Simeon is, ending the end, is nearing the end of his life, finally, God through the Holy Spirit says, yes, this is the one. I mean, I can't imagine the joy that overflows from Simeon. And our text says that Simeon runs up to the baby, runs up to Mary, and takes Jesus out of her arms. And every mother loves it when a stranger comes to take their baby out of her arms. And she takes, he takes baby Jesus. And finally, Simeon, finally, Simeon is in the moment where for years he has believed God's promise. He has hung on every word of, the, of, of God the Father through his written word in the Old Testament. He is hung on what the Spirit has revealed to him because the Spirit had revealed to him, you will not die before you see the Lord's Christ. He hangs on that every word. And finally, in that moment, the promise has been fulfilled. And there's, and there's Simeon. He's looking at the Lord's Christ. He's been waiting for this moment. All his life was was pointed in this direction. He's filled with joy. I don't know about you, but we need more men and we need more people who live like Simeon looking for the coming Messiah. 
We need more people who are constantly looking at what's going on and say, is it time? Is it time? Is it near? We need more men. We need more women. We need more, we need more churches who are ready and looking to the second coming of Christ. G. Campbell Morgan, who is a British preacher of the early 20th century, said this. He said, I never begin my work in the morning without thinking that perhaps God may interrupt my work and begin his own. He said, I'm not looking for death. I'm looking for him. Isn't that good? That we need to look for God's work in our lives. We need to look at what Jesus is doing, not only in our own lives, but in other people. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, began this uh, missionary agency called the China Inland uh, Missions, and which is a forerunner to the International Mission Board for the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, Hudson Taylor said this, since he may come any day, he being Jesus, since he may come any day, it is well to be ready every day. Isn't that good? Simeon was ready. Simeon was ready when the Messiah showed up. How about you? Are you ready? Are you ready when the Messiah comes that second time and he splits the sky? Are you ready? When that trumpet sounds, are you ready? When you see the Messiah on his white horse with the, with the sash that says, King of Kings, are you ready? We can learn from Simeon that we need to live our lives in ready expectation of the soon coming Christ. Charles Stanley said this. He said that when we live with an eager expectation of the return of Jesus Christ, he says this, we will live a more productive life. Isn't that good? When we live with a ready expectation of the coming of Christ, that second coming of Christ, we will live a more productive life. Well, we can see that in the life of Simeon, that when we look forward with hope, we look forward to the second coming of Christ Jesus. Here's number two. Looking forward with hope, we see this in Simeon. We see this. We trust in God's perfect timing. We rest in God's time. We rest that, that, that God knows exactly when things are going to take place, and we trust him. We rest in him. Look at verse number 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I think, I think most of you would be in agreement with this, that um, the older you become, the longer you live, you realize that, that timing is pretty important in every area of life. Would you agree with that? The timing is important. Um, I think um, in cooking, let me give you, in cooking, timing's pretty important. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, every professional cook knows that it takes 37 seconds to cook a perfect Pop-Tart. Amen? <laughs> I mean, timing is everything, right? Relationships, timing is everything, how things happen in businesses, timing is everything. And what we see in the story of Simeon is that Simeon is resting in God's time. Do you see that? He's resting in God's time. He's an older man, waiting for years, day after day. He's waiting, he's patiently waiting for the Messiah to come, but he is learning that God is in control of everything. Look back at verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Well, when did God reveal this to Simeon? 
When did the Holy Spirit speak to Simeon? By the way, on a side note, um, do you find something odd about this text? Where it says that the Holy Spirit revealed it to Simeon? What do you find odd about that text? Everybody say this, Pentecost has yet to come. God has not sent the Holy Spirit to his people yet, right? That's in Acts chapter 4. That's 30, 35 years later. What? What? Well, we must understand that the Holy Spirit was not created at Pentecost. Amen? Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and has always existed since the beginning of time. And when you look in the Old Testament, you will see the Holy Spirit popping in and off of people. Right? People were anointed. Um, King Saul was anointed. The Holy Spirit then came off of him. So we see Simeon, who is an Old Testament character that we read in the New Testament. We see him as the Holy Spirit is upon him. Now, here's a little history lesson. Are y'all ready for a history lesson? Are y'all ready for leftover turkey? Whatever you want. If you want leftover turkey, we can go on. But hopefully this is some fresh turkey right here. In between Malachi and the New Testament, Matthew, is what theologians, what biblical scholars will call, they call it the silent period. For 400 years, God does not speak to people to speak on behalf of him. Nothing is written. We don't know much about those 400 years regarding God speaking through his people. Now we know that God's working through those times and everything. But in Matthew, whenever Matthew writes his account and when we read the the birth of Christ account, we see for the first time in 400 years, God speaks to his people who then speak on his behalf. So what we can learn from here from Simeon, which it says the Holy Spirit revealed to him, what it means, even though those 400 years, maybe we say that nothing really went on, we know this, that God still speaks to people even in those dark moments. Even when you think God is silent, even when you think God's not doing anything, I promise you, God, through the Holy Spirit, is speaking to people in their lives. Amen? And that, The reason I say that because many people, holidays are difficult times. It becomes very dark for many people. They've lost loved ones. There's hardships, and, and darkness can come over people. But know this through the life of Simeon, from the fact that the Holy Spirit revealed it to him, know this, God still speaks in the dark moments. He still speaks. And we have to listen to him. So we don't know when God spoke to Simeon. We don't know how long he had to wait. But here's what we know. The whole time, Simeon is waiting and trusting on the promise that God had already given him. He's waiting on the promise. He's trusting on the promise. God has given it to him. And so what Simeon is doing is saying, God, I trust you. I don't see it. I don't necessarily feel it. I don't necessarily believe it. But I trust you. You gave me this word, and I am going to stake my entire life on your word, and I'm going to trust you. Man, what a great message for us today. Folks, God has revealed himself through his written word. God has revealed himself to us. He's told us who his son is. He has told us what he thinks of us. He has told us how to live a a fruitful and godly life. And like Simeon, we need to stake our lives on the written word and spoken word of God and rest on it, trusting that it's going to be fulfilled in God's time. we got to trust it. 
We trust it. A pastor, you don't understand what's going on. I, you know, I don't know everything what's going on in life, but I know this. If God has given you a word, you hang on to it. You hang on to it, and you don't let anybody take that away from you. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 31, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hand. Isaiah 60, verse 22 says this, I am the Lord, and when it is time, I will make these things happen quickly. So you want to look forward. You want to be like Simeon. You want to look forward to the hope with few in, uh, to, to the future with hope. You look forward to the second coming of Christ, and you wait on God's timing. You trust God's timing. And here's the last thing, and then we're going to be done. We'll be done. As you look forward with hope, it means this, that you depend upon God's strength to make sure that everything happens. You depend upon God's strength. Look with me, verses 29 through 31. This is Simeon's song. He says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. What I want you to notice is this. Notice all the things that God did. Look at verse number 29. What did God do? God released Simeon. You see that? You have released your bond servant. Look at verse 30. God provides the salvation. For my eyes, says Simeon, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You are providing salvation to your people. Look at verse 31. What did God do? God prepared the salvation for all the peoples of the world. Look at the end of verse 31. Of all peoples. God has prepared salvation. From the beginning of time, salvation has been for both Jew and for Gentile. It is for all people. Look at all the things that God has done and what God does. None of this could be accomplished in man's strength. Simeon could not put all this together. But as Simeon burst out in praise, he says, God, thank you for all that you have done. My life is complete. My life is fulfilled because you have brought forth what you have said you would do. You have accomplished what you said you have accomplished and you have done it in your strength and God, I praise you and I bless you because you are the one who brings the hope. Nothing that I do can ever accomplish that but you and you alone have brought the hope. Wow. What a great message of hope from Simeon. On that day after Christmas, on that day after Christmas when everybody cleans up, puts all the wrapping paper in the trash, stores the boxes, and then family leaves, praise God. <laughs> it's in that moment when Simeon takes the Christ child it says, praise be to God. Praise be to God that you are the salvation. Wow. May you and I find great encouragement to know that Jesus came the first time in the form of a child, in the form of a baby, and he brought salvation to all the peoples of the world. Now, you and I, may we, like Simeon, look forward to that second coming of Christ. When he's not going to come as a child, he's going to come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And instead of a man picking him up in his arms, rather it's going to be the King of kings picking up his children in his arms and say, 
Come home to the place that I prepared for you. What a glorious day that's going to be. But the main thing is, are you ready for the second coming of Christ? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that you have said your son, Jesus, is going to return. You've said it. And Father, today, we in this room, we who are within the sound of my voice, we declare today that we say we trust you and we await your expected return. We don't know when, don't know necessarily how, but God, in your time, You're going to send your son. He's going to split the sky. And all the earth will bow their knee before you. Some will bow it in praise. And some will bow in humiliation, wishing they had made the decision to follow you before he comes. Father, I pray today that we would all say, I follow you. And I look forward to you coming again. What a glorious day that's going to be, Father. As we move forward into a new year, I pray that we look expectantly to you coming. And may we tell others about it as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's do this. Let's stand together today. Our response is this. We're going to close out this year. We're going to close out the year 2021 by declaring who Jesus is, that he's the Messiah, and he is the name above all names. And so won't you at this time, just with your voices, declare the greatness of who he is and let that be our benediction. Amen? Amen.